All right. Hello, everyone. Whether you are at our 15th Street campus or West Campus or Traditions venue, uh, we're so glad you were here. Um, if you're relatively new to Christ Community, I encourage you to sign up for our Discover Christ Community class this coming Tuesday. I'll be there. I would love to meet you. Other staff will be there. We're going to talk about Christ Community and, and all that God's doing here and just give you a, uh, just a little insight into an introductory sort of experience about about Christ community and would love to have you come to that. You can sign up online. There's more information in your newsletter that you were handed. Okay, so a few weeks ago, I realized that I hadn't seen the third movie in the, the Hobbit trilogy. I had seen the first two, um, but I never got around to seeing the third. And so I, I got it in Red from Redbox and I, I'm convinced Raylene to watch it with me. I um, mean, all these movies are such a great story, right? About a, about a somewhat ordinary Hobbit named Bilbo who sort of stumbles into a story that is that is much larger than himself. An adventure that beckons him to leave his comfortable home in the Shire and experience things he never would have dreamed possible, right? He, he, he battles a dragon and he, he meets amazing friends who together help good triumph over evil in the end. I mean, great stuff. So at the end of this movie, um, after the battle, he's, he, you know, has been won and, and, and he, he then leaves these new friendships um, and he heads back home to the Shire and to this place that's safe and warm and, and comfortable and uh, a place where he can kick back and relax and, and eat and drink, a place where there are no dragons and, and no dangers. So as I'm watching this last scene, as I'm watching him return home, I realize that my heart was feeling sad. Um, there was a sense of sadness, which sort of surprised me. I mean, what could be sad about him returning home? And then I realized what it was. My heart felt sad about the adventure that he was leaving. The challenges that had stretched him and enabled him to discover new things about himself. The camaraderie he had experienced, the people he had helped. It was as if in that adventure, he had become fully alive. He had stepped into his full potential. And now all that was behind him as he settled into a life that was safe and comfortable and very ordinary. <laughs> yeah, I think Bilbo's story, it's, it's really the story of every human heart, isn't it? On one hand, we all like the comfort and the safety and the security of home. And yet within us, within all of us, there is, a, there is a deeper desire. We long to be swept up into a story that is larger than ourselves. A story of adventure. A story of potential fully realized. A story of faith stretched. A story where the desperate find hope and the broken are healed and the forces of evil are driven back. I mean, that, that's exactly the adventure that God invites, invites us to join. That's <laughs> exactly the adventure he invites us to join. He invites us to be a part of the advancement of his hope and his life and his healing in a, in a very broken and, and dark world. So how can that happen? How can we enter into and engage in a story like that? Well, for the past few weeks, we as a church have been talking about and focusing our attention on a specific adventure that God is calling us to pursue. Um, that we're calling this vision for the city and beyond. It's a vision that is focused on God's heart for our city and our region and our world. And so in this vision, in this vision, it's really, really exciting. In this vision, we, we have identified nine specific areas of significant need 
And we as a church, we want to focus our hearts towards these needs in a strategic and impactful way. We want to be for children and families in need. We want to be for the emotionally broken, offering healing and hope to those struggling with anxiety and depression and, and addiction. We want to be for those who are caught in the cycle of poverty, for those who are trapped in gangs, for the refugees in our city. We also want to be for those in this region who are disconnected from a church community or who have no relationship with Jesus. There are well over 100,000 people within 20 minutes of us who don't know the Lord. So part of this vision involves utilizing the 36 acres of land that God gave us a few years ago to build a permanent campus on the west side of town, having two vibrant campuses, one at 15th Street, and one on West 10th enables us to better reach this growing region. Now, I keep hearing people asking, so are we moving? Are we moving? No, we are not moving to another location. We are multiplying. We are not closing down the 15th Street campus. We are, we are wanting to have two permanent Christ community campuses, each with vibrant ministry happening. We also want to be for the marketplace in our city. We don't want to just plop a church building on this land on West 10th. We want to create a destination development with shops and green spaces and bike paths and a Zoe's West coffee shop, places for people to connect and hang out. We, we've been talking with some city officials um, about just some of these things, and there is a growing excitement about what this could be. So it's really, really exciting. That marketplace vision also includes people here discovering how God wants to use them in their marketplace. We also want to be for leadership development and then finally for the expansion of the gospel around the world, continuing our amazing partnerships that bring compassion and church planning and training to some of the most spiritually dark places on this planet, places like Syria and India I mean, I, I told you, it is a God-sized vision. It is an amazing adventure that God is inviting us to be a part of. I, I had a conversation with someone after the service last, last weekend. She was talking about this vision and, and about her engagement in it. And, and she said to me, I feel bigger as a Christian. I feel bigger as a Christian. I love that. Being a part of this vision made her feel like she is a, she's a part of something bigger than herself. And she couldn't get that smile off of her face. I mean, I just feel bigger, which is awesome. Now, if this vision is new to you, if you've missed a few weeks and you don't know what we're talking about, you can easily get up to speed by picking up a For the City and Beyond packet that we put together. They're available in the lobby at whatever campus you're at. They're available in the lobby. We talk in more detail about the vision and the nine initiatives and all that. Also, you can go to forthecityandbeyond.org um, where you can watch my initial vision cast on um, the first week of February, as well as an inspiring seven-minute video overview that we showed a couple weeks ago. Um, we, we are, again, we're just so excited about this For the City Beyond vision, and we want you to have all the information you need so that you can prayerfully process your engagement in it. And, and again, we are available. If you have questions, we're available um, to, to talk about those things, talk about any aspect of the vision and, and, and uh, answer any questions you have. Now, there is one question that, that we've been hearing quite a bit 
as people are talking and people are processing. And, and here's the question. It's, it's, it's basically, how is this going to happen? I mean, how are we really going to help people in poverty? How are we going to help refugees and, and those coming out of gangs and the emotionally broken? How are we going to do that? And then a subsidiary question has been, and what does a new building have to do with those things? I mean, how does the new building out West help us better engage in these needs? Those are great questions. And the answer to those questions is found in the book of Nehemiah, actually, which we have been studying now for several weeks. We've been learning from for the past few weeks. Nehemiah was a guy who saw firsthand, he saw that his hometown or he heard that his hometown was in disarray, was in great need. And he mobilized the people in the town to rebuild the walls of their city. So how did he do that? Here's how. He activated the hearts of the people in Jerusalem to be for their city in a greater way than ever before. That's how he did it. That's ultimately how this vision moved forward. People's hearts were activated by the needs by the need they saw, and they did something. And the same thing is true for us. In this several month long visioning process, we realized, we realized that this vision is not ultimately about a building. It is not ultimately about a building. It is about activating the hearts of 2,000 plus people at Christ Community to be for our city, our region, and our world in a greater way than ever before to see the needs around us, the spiritually lost, the refugee, those in poverty, the emotionally broken, those in our sphere of influence in our marketplace, and to have our hearts moved to do something, to relationally connect with him and bring the love of Jesus to them. Activating hearts, that's what it's about. Last week, um, after one of the services, I was hanging around up front and uh, a 12-year-old boy from our congregation came up and he, he said to me, Pastor Allen, I'm really concerned about a friend of mine from school. I said, really, what's, what's, what's going on? He said, well, he only eats oatmeal and popcorn at home. That's all that his family feeds him. And I'd really, he said, I'd really like to help him. My family and I, we're, we're trying to figure out how to do that. I almost started crying on the spot. Um, but this young man, this 12-year-old, saw a need around him, and now he wants to be a part of the solution. That's what this vision is all about. That, that this vision is about the Spirit of God activating our hearts to move towards people in need in these nine areas that I mentioned a moment ago. Now, just so you know, just a logistical kind of thing, we're, we're putting together a leadership structure to help move this vision forward. You'll be hearing more about that in the weeks and months to come. We're also exploring some organizations in our, in our city that, that we're going to be able to partner with um, and point people in our congregation, point them towards, help people point towards these areas of need. You know, partnerships are already happening in our city. We're, we're going to do that. But we also realize this vision, is, it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. This vision is predicated on an empowering model. Empowering model. Encouraging people, encouraging each person at Christ to dream with their e-groups or in other contexts how they can move towards one of these areas of need, people in these areas of need. Um, we, we are intentionally, we are intentionally not deciding a lot of specifics yet about what this might look like 
because we really believe, we really believe we are to discover this together over the next three years. We're to discover this together. Again, the key for this whole vision, the key is that our hearts are activated to be for our city in a more significant way than ever before. That's the vision that we're calling us to. Which raises the question I mentioned a moment ago. So what does a new building on the west side of town have to do with a number of these things here? How does a new building help meet these areas of need in terms of refugees or people in poverty or whatever? That's a great question. See, the building is just one part of this vision, but it is a vital part. And here's how. Here's how it's a vital part. We believe the purpose of the church is to make disciples, right? When someone is growing as a disciple of Jesus, it positively impacts every area of their lives. They become a better dad or mom. They become a better, uh, a better student. They become a happier child. They become a better citizen, a better employee. And this is so important. And they begin to care for the world in a way that they hadn't before. So imagine with me. Two vibrant, very similar, but similar sized, vibrant Christ community campuses where people are growing in embracing the gospel, experiencing the spirit, and engaging in mission. And that mission is defined by these areas of need that we're focusing on. So what if, rather than 2,000 people activated, what if, imagine the impact, if 3,000 people's hearts were activated before their city to care for those in poverty, or who were caught in gangs, or to mentor a child. 3,000 people growing as disciples. 3,000 people connected in an e-group. Um, and then in, in that e-group, they're moving in mission together. I mean, do, do you see how this works? Will this new campus positively impact these areas of need in this vision, all nine areas? Absolutely. But not because we have a specific space on this new campus dedicated to that specific need. No, no. But rather because having that permanent campus in that strategic location enables more people to be impacted by the gospel, which moves them to care about the needs around them in a greater way. Again, this, this entire vision is about activating the hearts of people at Christ Community to be for our city, region, and world in a greater way than ever before, whether they're worshiping at a West Campus, they're worshiping at a 15th Street Campus, activating their hearts to be for their city. And I believe this is already starting to happen. My goodness, the number of conversations that are happening. Um, and and they, uh, it's just, it's awesome. The things, the e-groups are, certain e-groups are talking about and doing. I mean, I'm hearing so many cool stories already of things that God is stirring in people's hearts. Hey, what if we did this? Or what, could I get involved in this way? And it's just, it's so, it's so cool. Imagine, those, that's just starting to happen, right? We just began talking about this a few weeks ago. Imagine when that fully takes hold. Imagine the wave, the wave of God's heart moving across this region. The broken and the hurting and the lost people impacted. That's the adventure that God is calling us to be a part of. <laughs> That's it. And it is so exciting. Now, as we've been talking about all along, this adventure, this adventure is, is not only about a relational component, it's also about a financial component as well. And our goal 
And this three-year vision is to raise $7 million, which is approximately half the cost of the, for the city and beyond vision. The rest of the cost will be responsibly financed within our general operating budget. Now, what's, what's really cool is that we already have, we've, we've had, we had some early commitments of about 75 people make early commitments. We already have over $2.1 million that have been raised already through 75 commitments to this. And so we, are, we, are, we have just under $5 million to go. And, and uh, so we're really excited about that. Okay, so back to this first question. How is this vision going to move forward? by God activating each of our hearts to be for our city in a greater way than ever before. Okay, so how, what does this activating look like? You know, well, I want us to look together at Nehemiah chapter 6. We're kind of moving through this book here. We find ourselves now in chapter 6 where we see a, a critical aspect of this activation piece. So let me read beginning in verse 1 of chapter 6. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakephirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. Okay, so notice what is happening here. The, this entire wall building project is nearly complete. It's almost done. The people have been, have been working hard and things are looking good. Okay, it's almost done. Now this doesn't set well with Sanballat and Tobiah, who we've already seen in previous chapters. These guys, they, they don't want this wall rebuilt. They're not Jews. They don't want this wall rebuilt. They like the city of Jerusalem being vulnerable to attack. They like being able to enter and whenever they want and get whatever they want, okay? They didn't want the Jewish people to, to gain strength. And so they have made it their goal. They've made it their goal in this book up to this point to stir up trouble, um, to do any number of things to try and hinder this project moving forward. So we've already seen some of this. They try ridicule and threats and taunting. None of those things have worked. So, so now they have one more strategy to utilize. Let's go after the leader. Let's go after the leader. Let's try to distract Nehemiah. Let's get him alone for a meeting, and then we can kill him. Without him in the picture, surely the people, you know, well, this project will never be completed. So they send messengers to Nehemiah, inviting him to meet with them in a neutral location, okay? Now, I got to say here, what, what we're about to read in terms of Nehemiah's response is one of the most powerful statements in the entire Bible. Seriously, it is that life-changing. This statement not only has the power to significantly impact our engagement in this For the City and Beyond vision, it also has the power to significantly impact your life and mine. Seriously, it is that huge. Look with me at what Nehemiah says in response. In fact, I'd like, I'd like for you all to read this out loud with me. All right, here we go. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I love that. What a powerful response. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. 
See, what we see in Nehemiah is something that is significantly decreasing in our society today at all levels, all levels, including spiritual in, in, in spiritual areas. And that thing that's decreasing in our society today is commitment, commitment, a resolute commitment to God's cause, to God's vision, to God's will, to God's priorities. See, we live in a society that is becoming increasingly narcissistic increasingly self-focused. That's not just my opinion. You can read in plenty of scientific studies and research that are, that are showing these same things. We tend to view everything through the lens of self. How does this impact me? How does this make me feel? How do I feel? How do I feel about this? What do I want to do? Our obsession with social media can easily feed this narcissism. We constantly check our phones to see who has texted us or who has commented on our Facebook posts or whatever. And we're doing selfies and all that, and I'm, 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 I'm doing them too, you know? So I'm, I'm, we're in this together here. But, but here's what I want us to think about. As our lives become more self-focused, and it, they are, as our lives become more self-focused, our level of commitment to anything beyond ourselves, to anything that is hard, to anything that is challenging, becomes less resolute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that again. As our lives become more self-focused, our level of commitment to anything beyond ourselves or anything that's hard or challenging becomes less resolute. The commitment to fidelity in marriage the commitment to purity in dating, the commitment involved in parenting, the commitment involved in being a faithful, hardworking, supportive employee, the commitment to be a loving neighbor. All of these commitments are significant from God's perspective and all of them are rapidly diminishing, not only in our own culture, but, but in the lives of Christians as well. I mean, the divorce rate among Christians and non-Christians is identical, it's identical. So too, the percentage of young people sleeping around, identical. In a self-centered culture, the idea of being resolutely committed to something, anything, is dramatically fading in importance, dramatically fading. This idea of being committed to something, no matter what, that's fading. Now, I could stand up here like a, good typical preacher, right? I could get stand up here and rail on us all, right? Saying, we need to be more committed. Come on. You need to be more committed. I mean, I could do that, but that's just wasted breath. Those are wasted words because commitment is not something that, 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 that can be stirred through guilt or pep talks. I mean, guilt and pep talks, you know, those things may work for a week or two. They may get people motivated for a week or two, but it won't bring lasting commitment. So what does, what does bring lasting commitment? Well, Nehemiah shows us. Notice again when he says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why is he so resolutely committed to working on the wall, to continue working on the wall? Why is he unwilling to let himself be distracted from that task? I'm doing a great work. 
I am doing a great work. That's why. (laughs) See, Nehemiah's heart has been activated. He wholeheartedly believed that what he was doing in rebuilding this wall mattered. That what he was doing was significant. That this work would make a a huge difference in the lives of God's people and and the expansion of God's glory and reputation on earth. That's why he was so committed. That's where genuine, resolute, God-honoring commitment comes from. Not lectures, not pep talks, not guilt, not shoulds and ought tos. No, no, no. Resolute commitment flows from an understanding of the importance and the significance of the task. So let's get really practical. Some of you are in a struggling marriage. Some of you husbands have let anger or pornography or busyness at work continue to pull you away from your wife. You you engage her heart less and less, just kind of going through the motions. Maybe at times you fantasize about what it might be like to be single or to be with someone else. Now, you, you can continue down that road, and we all know where it will lead. But there's another option. It's to remember your wedding day and the vows you made. To remember the greatness and the significance of your task as a husband. To love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Say to yourself, I am doing a great work and I'm not coming down. I am not going to let my work or my hobbies, or porn, or whatever, distract me from keeping this monumental task at the forefront of my life. I'm not going to let those things keep me from being the husband that my wife deserves. I'm doing a great work. I'm not coming down. Wives, the same thing applies to you. I'm sure it's easy to look at your husband through the lens of all the ways that he's not meeting your needs, all the things that he's not, and to, and to withdraw into busyness or social media or porn or fantasy novels or whatever. You too can easily forget the greatness of the task God has given you to fight for your marriage, to stay connected, to offer your husband love and respect. None of this is easy. None of this is easy. Commitment requires struggle and hardship. But what is crucial is to always remember the why. I am doing a great work and I'm not coming down. This marriage is of vital importance and I will not neglect it any longer. Parents, in the midst of all the busyness and all the things that seem to distract us from the glorious and God-given task of parenting, perhaps we need to slip into our child's room after they're asleep tonight, place a hand on their head and say, I am doing a great work and I'm not coming down. I am committed to the task of loving and leading this child, of making time for that and for them. 
young people, there are all sorts of pressures around you to participate in things that you know, you know are not going to be healthy for you or your relationship with God. So the next time you're invited to a gathering where you know you'll be tempted to give in to detrimental things, say to yourself, I am doing a great work and I'm not coming down. My relationship with God is of utmost importance to me and I will not let these other things distract me from that. It's a powerful principle. Powerful principle in so many areas of our lives. So many areas of our lives. But it not only impacts our everyday lives, it also impacts our engagement in this for the city and beyond vision. I mean, are we willing to have our hearts activated by this vision, this great work? And it is a great work. Are we willing to have our hearts activated, asking God how he might want us to be involved in this? This might mean making a commitment to engage relationally with a coworker in your marketplace or with a family in need in our community, a family in poverty or a refugee family or a child in need of mentoring. It might mean exploring with your e-group what you could do together as a group to connect with needs in our city. Making a commitment to move past your fears and to engage these needs in a greater way. I'm doing a great work. We're doing a great work and we're not coming down. Engaging in this vision is also going to involve a financial commitment. I mentioned it before, just a financial commitment. And we're asking each person, every person who's a part of Christ's community, to pray, to seek God in these few weeks here. Seek God about making a three-year financial commitment to this. And we've talked about various ways that could happen in terms of assets and uh, any number of things. We've talked about that. But the, but the critical thing here is that this is, this is something, it, it's, it's going to be challenging. Anytime it has to do with money and things like that, assets, all that, it's challenging. And it requires a significant level of commitment, a significant level of sacrifice, right? But remember the why. It's not because I'm standing up here saying, you should do blood. That's not it. If that's what you're hearing, you're missing my heart in all of this. The why is I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down. This is a great work, and I want to invest in it. That's the why. I remember 15 years ago, during the three-year journey to raise money to expand this 15th Street facility to reach more people for Christ, we challenged, same thing we're doing now, we challenged everyone in the church to pray about making a commitment to this vision. There was a college student who attended here. He didn't really have much income. He was going to school, but he wanted to be a part of this vision. And so he decided, I remember him talking to me about this. He decided he was going to give plasma twice a week and then donate that money, $25 every visit to this project. He ended up giving over $2,000 to this vision which helped build the building that you were sitting in. What sacrifices might God be inviting you and me to make to be a part of this vision moving forward? Again, it's not easy. 
A financial commitment is not an easy thing. It will move us out of our comfort zones, out of the safety of the shire. It will do that. It will require levels of commitment, perhaps beyond what we've experienced. But remember, remember the ultimate motivation. It is not about guilt. It's not about what you should do. It's about the greatness of God. It's about the greatness of God's heart for lost people and broken people and hurting people. That's what this is about. We're doing a great work, folks. And we're not coming down. This vision is totally in line with God's heart. Totally in line. Is there anything in this vision totally, that's not in line with God's heart? I mean, this is totally in line with God's heart and the leading of God. And we get to be a part of this. We get to commit to this. Through our relational commitments, our relational involvement, and our financial sacrifices. Well, next weekend, as the culmination here of this kind of launch season, March 5th and 6th, it's Commitment Weekend, where we, all of us, we're asking all of you to come, all of you to come and be a part of services that weekend. And we're all, and we're asking all of us to turn in our commitment cards, which will include on the commitment card, you can, you can see it in the packet. We'll also have them available next week. But on that commitment card, you'll see there's a place for financial commitment as well as there's going to be a place for you to express interest in any in getting involved in any one of the nine initiatives as, a, as a kind of a volunteer in, in whatever way that looks like. Um, and so again, you can bring that commitment card with you next week. If you didn't, for, if you forget to, we'll have commitment cards available um, uh, next week. Together, together, God is going to use these commitments. These commitments, and that word is very poignant here terms of what we're talking about. He's going to use these commitments to move this vision forward. We get to be a part of God's story. An amazing story. We get to be a part of it. We get to see him be faithful to us in ways beyond what we could imagine. In fact, I want us to watch a story of someone in our church family. Actually, it's one of our uh, pastors and his, his wife. And I asked he and his wife if they would be willing to share a bit of their story of, of sacrifice and generosity. finances and we had we had planned out a lot of uh, money for our kids we had um, budgeted very well we were very strict on our budget and we had uh, set aside certain funds and things like that for our kids college we had at that time we had three kids three boys maybe four but uh, you know it was hard because I remember going before God and just saying what, what do I do I feel burdened because we've already given you your tithe you know this is our money this is our future this is not only our kids college but this is our uh our retirement and uh, i just remember kind of feeling this tension of like what do you want god what do you want and i sensed him saying just give it to me just give it to me and uh 
it, it was just a really interesting time uh, because I thought, is, is that for real? But as we kind of pondered that, um, I, I sensed that like this really is what God wants to do. He, he wants me to just hand over this whole thing so that I don't have to worry about it. And that was kind of the word. That was, again, 16 years ago. Um, I shared that with my wife. And Natalie, I'm sure you were kind of freaking out a little bit. We were both kind of freaking out. Um, but the more we prayed about it, the more we felt like this is what God wanted us to do. And uh, we did it. And I, I, I have to tell you that the, the amount of peace that just overflowed into my life, not just the at that moment, but for the years to come um, where, you know, I would start to worry about something. And then I was reminded, oh, you know what? God's going to take care of us. And it was pretty cool. I would have these thoughts. Wow. We could have really used that <laughs> right now. Um, but I know that God is good. And there were times where um, he, he provided for us and he um, took care of our older children. And he took care of those fears that um, that we had at the beginning. So the neat thing is uh, I can look back at that 16 years ago and say, God was really faithful. I mean, we've got a lot more kids now. Um, three of our kids have gone through college. Um, none of them have any debt. And even as we have seen, you know, 16 years go by, uh, we have not gone without anything really that we really needed. And uh, we just feel the confidence that God really is in control. He, he owns it all and he owns our future. He owns our retirement. He owns our kids' education. And uh, we're, we're excited to see how he's gonna provide. Yeah, we're all in. Well, our kids, they've totally embraced it. I have heard nothing negative about it. And, and I even told them, you know, boys, this is really, we're talking about your inheritance here. We're talking about you know, <laughs> the potential um, that we would have this extra money to give to you. Um, and we're basically saying, no, God's calling us to give it to, to somebody else or to, to another need. Um, but they've all, they've all felt like, hey, no, this is really what we want to do. So I know that when those what ifs pop into my mind, what if um, the fears and the doubts, and I know that they will come, um, I want to uh, remember that God is faithful. And I um, feel like we are called to not doubt in the darkness, what God has called us in life. God is faithful. He is faithful and he invites us to be a part of the story that he's writing. Um, he wants to activate our hearts towards this vision and that, that that invitation will involve sacrifice and faith, but it's worth it. It's worth it not only in what he's going to do th through us, it's also worth it in, in terms of what he's going to do in us. <laughs> it's going to be amazing on uh, both of those areas, in and through us. Um, it's going to be amazing and exciting to see what God will do. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this, thank you for this church and um, the heart of this church to follow you to be led by you, even when you're leading us out of the Shire and where you're leading us on adventures that seem out of our comfort zone. Thank you for not letting us get comfortable. 
but for inviting us to step into these adventures where we discover our full potential and where we get to see hope poured out and, and darkness driven back. I mean, it's an amazing adventure that you're inviting us to be a part of, and we're so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for this adventure, the story that you're writing, for the lives that are going to be changed, for the faith you're going to grow in our own hearts. And I just pray for us, Lord, that, that as, as, as we're all seeking you in these weeks here, that you would speak to us about how you want us to be involved relationally. Maybe there's an area, um, just an area of these nine where they think, oh, that's, that's my heart. I want to do something in that area, Lord. I just pray for that to be stirring in e-groups and in, in people's hearts just to say, yeah, I'm really burdened about this refugee thing. I don't know what to do, but, but you know, I just, so I pray you'd put those burdens on our heart and you would lead us as a church as we figure this out together. It's going to be cool. It's going to be exciting. So I just pray you'd speak to us about that. And I pray you'd speak to us about the financial part. This is a big, it's a big goal. Um, but we know, we really believe, God, as you lay it on our hearts, as we listen to you and just obey what you're telling us to do, that you're, you're going to move this vision forward. And so I pray for faith. I pray for the ability to hear you speak to us about this area and that we would obey you, would respond. And together, again, we would see this move forward. And I thank you too, Lord. I'm just thinking about the, the ultimate motivation in this. I mean, it is a great work and we want to be a part of it. And all of it, But the ultimate motivation, I was thinking about that the ultimate motivation is, it's not actually from Nehemiah, but Nehemiah points us to another similar response centuries later when you, our Savior, Jesus, hung on a cross to pay for the sins of humanity. You paid for our sins. And it was an amazingly generous sacrifice, an incredible commitment to do that. I mean, you, you hung there for us. And as you struggled with each breath, with nails piercing your hands and your feet, you could have called a legion of angels to come and rescue you from this sacrifice, this commitment, but you didn't. Lord Jesus, thank you that in your heart, you basically said, I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down. I am not coming down. Thank you for not coming down. Thank you for giving your life. Thank you for your sacrifice, your generosity. We are the recipients of that great work. We have received through you life and forgiveness through your blood that you shed. We're so grateful. And you invite us to commit ourselves to being a part of this, that story of that life and forgiveness being offered to others in our city, in our region, in our world. What an amazing Savior you are. What an amazing privilege it is for us to be a part of that. So thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for not coming down. We love you. We love you and worship you and praise you. Why don't we stand as the worship team leads us in 
some songs of praise just to respond with our hearts to this amazing Savior. Jesus, we love you. Set us free to worship you right now.